0: Fiddle with dee with a heron's heed Fiddle with dee with a heron's heed We'll mack it for loaf and sell it for breed Heron's heed, loaf and breed and all sorts of things For all the fish that swim in the sea The heron it is, the fish for me Sing fa-la-la-la-i-do, la la went
1: on to Bunkrana first and we were a month in Bunkrana or five weeks in which we went on to which then and we were a certain time there. We went on to Stornoway then. We went from Stornoway to Scarborough then. We went from Scarborough to Yarmouth. Well, that finished the season in Yarmouth. Well, the following seasons, we went to, let's um, see where to go first. I think it was Hoth we went. <coughs> went to Arglass. Went to Baltimore. Went to Scull. Went to
2: Hellwick Head.
3: <laughs> I used to send away between fifty and sixty people, do you know, to to different parts of to the fishing ports of Lerwick, Yarmouth, Lowestoft. And um, of course, they all went away for uh, three months. Their affairs were paid from the day they left home, and they had a pound a week of um, wages. And along with that, they got so much a barrel for cutting the fish a shilling a barrel
2: rise up in the morning with your bundles in your hand Be at the station early or you'll surely hate to stand Got plenty to eat and a kettle for your tea Or you'll maybe die of
3: hunger on the whitey arm of tea When well, you went round with a car, you get a car and go round and collect them You paid them a pound of airlish, you know you, 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 you signed an agreement
4: That's the Irish word, airlish
3: Airlish, earlish.
4: What is was it in
3: English? Uh, guarantee? Or guarantee. What? But you couldn't lay one cure once you signed that agreement. The other man could take you back if you were signed for anybody else. Do you understand? Well, then we went to Lerwick we first out in, the he- out in the Shetlands. That was the magic cure. And then from there you went to Hoth in Dublin, and from Dublin to, to Yarmouth. And you finished up at Yarmouth.
4: What time of the year would that be then?
3: November, the end of November. And in Yarmouth it would be about, oh, thousands of boats from all parts, there were hundreds of workers there. You got your board there for, you paid uh, seven and sixpence to a pound a week for the board. The woman And you took in your own food, the woman cooked it for you.
1: You'd be out now at six o'clock in the morning? Go out then, come in for at nine for your breakfast. Go out again and at one. Go out then and work s- sometimes to six, another nights three nights to nine a week. Three nights to six, three nights to nine. It's a very, very hard work. Cruel, hard work. Come in then and, the, and you frost and, and yarmouth and oh, go, miserable, the cold there'll be in it. Indeed, it was no easy life.
4: Oh, the work was hard, and the hours were long, and the treatment sure it took some bearing. There was little kindness, and the kicks were many, as we hunted for the shoals of hair. From the beginning of this century fishing the herring has been an established way of life for thousands of people around the coasts of Britain and Ireland. Along the northeast coast of Scotland and the east coast of England in particular the industry flourished and millions of barrels of herring were prepared each year for export. As the herring shoals moved so did the fishermen and not only the fishermen but huge bands of girls who worked as gutters and packers in the main fishing ports during the season. Many of the girls and some men who found employment as both coopers and curers were Irish, but they came, almost all, as migratory workers from County Donegal, and from a very confined area of Donegal at that. Padrigo Knaushey, social historian from Meanmore near Dunlow, and headmaster of Afford School on Aranmore Island.
5: Well, the people who went to Scotland and England and uh, it came from w- within a radius of five miles of Burtonport. Nobody, I, I think, went from the parish of Guido to work with fish, or from the upper parish, the parish of Upper Temple Crown, beyond Dunlow either, because they had to get to, to acquire these skills in the fishing yards, or the the curing yards of Burtonport or Kincastla, and in order to to do so, they would have to be able to walk at least to Kincastla or Burtonport, and at that time we had no cars or no transport, for, so safe. it was a very localised localised industry.
4: Most of them were women, certainly, in the early
5: years. Well, I would say most of them were women because there was more employment at that time for men and that we regard as a woman's work up to about the the year 1930. And then, between 1929 and 1939, there was a depression in England and work became very scarce and unobtainable for men. And I would think that was the time that men more or less turned to it. And in the end, we had about 75% women and 25% men.
4: There were good reasons why so many of the migratory fish workers from Donegal should come from the Burtonport area. Along a coastline which in eighteen ninety one had practically no regular fishermen, and where, except for rough salt enduring large takes, fish were not preserved, Rutland Island or Dorn, near Burtonport, was the only place which could boast of a fish curing tradition. Its fish curing station dated back to seventeen eighty five, and the Viceroyalty of the Duke of Rutland. But it closed at the beginning of the 19th century when the herring just failed to appear and it never reopened.
5: Uh, the fishing in Burton Port started about 1800, 1880, about 100 years ago. And at that time we had uh, the Donegal Fishing Company set up there at Rutland Harbour, about a mile from Burton Port. The manager of that company, or the principal uh, person uh, mentioned in the regard, was a Mr. Guthrie. Who established the fishing industry more or less in the Rosses? He brought instructors to the place and brought curers across from Scotland and showed the people of the locality how to do this work as they had no experience heretofore. Now, then came, and then uh, 10 years later, about 1891, the Congested Districts Board was set up in order to help the, or to improve the conditions in the Western seaboard. And they g- seem to have paid great attention to the fishing industry, and especially here in the losses. They gave out boats or luggers, Zulu luggers, as they were called. They also gave out nets on very attractive terms. Uh, They brought instructors across from Scotland to tell the people how to fish and to handle fish and process fish and cure fish afterwards. And they also uh, set up a cooperage in Burton Port towards the end of the century where barrels were made and where young men were trained in the art of coopering. There were nine coopers trained in Burtonport altogether, and these men afterwards uh, taught the skills of the craft to others, and they went as well to England and Scotland and other places. Now this continued, I think, until uh, the beginning of World War One, when fishing more or less ceased during the war because of conditions of tearing at that time and uh, then after the war well our own government took over and the cooperage closed
4: down But there's one cooper still in the area, Mickey Boyle of Bannard, who belongs to a family known as Cooperian Chedi uh, Down there in
6: Buttonport there was a barrel factory there in Buttonport and there was one family in particular belonged to uh, belonged to Lake Ena. And they had, the, they had their own cooperage there. Mm. There was Pat, and there was Neddy, and there was Charlie, and Denny, And Denny was supposed to be a good cooper. He was supposed to be a good cooper when he was in, in the British Empire. Yeah. And he went away to America. And the rest of the last two men that was working at the trade was Charlie and Eddie. And they're gone, you know, this last numbers of years.
4: So you're about the only man around here who could I'm, do that job yourself now? I'm the only man that's left now. Outside the Burtonport area of the Rosses, the idea of emigrating to practice fish curing or coopering didn't catch on, even in the coastal areas, and certainly not inland. Mrs John Arnold, who lives in Clahan and comes from Falcaro.
7: Well, actually, now, you wouldn't have very much knowledge about that, about Falkara, or even about here, because, quite honestly, here, this place that I live now, the only time ever they saw a herring was when somebody came round with it in a van. But uh, in the West, uh, Donegal, where they had a fishing tradition... And they, their women and their men both knew how to deal with... There was to be a salting or a packing station in Borton Port, you see, in days gone by. with well, the result that they knew all about it. So that in going to work in Scotland, which they did on the East Coast, and to work and clean and pack um, fish from trawlers, they had already learned the trade, you know. It was nothing new to them. It was, as a matter of fact, I believe that they, they rather liked it. They used to tell us when we were small that uh, girls who worked at... Um, that they had beautiful hands, that the oil and the fish kept their hands beautiful. I don't know whether that's true or not, but I was told it.
4: But the fish workers themselves saw things somewhat differently. Mrs. Mary Boyle from Ireland's.
1: And then your, your ten fingers were all pieced.
4: What does that mean
1: now? All pieces on your fingers, you say. Keep you from getting them cut with a knife.
4: Sort of gloves? Wasn't no,
1: no, no. It? Just ordinary calico cloth and tied with, with hemp thread, with thread, the whole ten fingers.
4: If you got a cut then, it'd be pretty serious, wouldn't it? Oh,
1: you got plenty of cuts, plenty, but you'll pay no attention to the cuts. No, no attention paid to cuts. And the fingers, at some of them, not and no, not at me though, used to eat into the bone with salt. You'd see a very big black hole in their, in their fingers and in their hands with the salt.
4: And would that leave a mark then? No,
1: it wouldn't, The from that heal up, it wouldn't. But when you'd go out in the morning then, and go into that patio and with them sore hands, go into the very heart, you near know, the pain, the pain that would be in them, you know into the big you know, the stick them down to the pick in the morning or oh, just cruel.
4: John Duffy from Burtonport has fished all around the coasts of Britain and Ireland. He's an island man from Inish Free just off Burtonport, and it was with a band of young fish workers that he first left the island maybe 50 years ago.
8: I left on the, just a boat, a sailing boat, y'all, and I was going to the. To the Heronfish fishing that time, gotten in, in fact to the Shetland Islands and we came to Burton Port, and from there to Derry, and then uh, from right across to Glasgow, and that to Aber. From there to Aberdeen, of course we'd spend a night in Aberdeen, and uh, then we got the next boat, the boat the next day for the sh- for Lairwick and the Shetland Islands and uh, also when we landed there in the Shetland Islands we'd uh, were taken to these huts or were there supplied for the workers and we'd uh, go and get our groceries then and s- supplies and
4: You didn't have to pay any money at all for accommodation, had you?
8: No, none at all. None at all, only for groceries. Just, that was all. We were supplied with, with everything, beds and all, and, uh, fire and, and all coal, so all we had to buy was our groceries.
3: Was the accommodation we, good?
4: Oh, uh, well,
8: reasonably, no, fairly good. Fairly good.
3: Well, you done all your own cooking, you know, in the huts. But sometimes there were rest out there, you know, the Salvation Army and all these hot all these people you used to go round looking after them as well. They would come and they would, uh, or oh, they would give you a, a, a dinner. They would give you a dinner on uh, every day of the week, and when you were finished, all you had to do was go up and put whatever uh, the in the box. So the Salvation Army was the best guy out there. But well,
4: how about the other religious denominations? How did they fare?
3: They were all right. right. There were every crowd. They were nearly all the Salvation I Army. They covered a lot out in out in the Shetlands.
4: Had you a priest there
3: at all? Oh, we had. Oh, there were priests out in out in the Shetlands. He he was out for the season. There weren't many no Catholics there in Lerwick at all, except a few.
1: So used to be this big priest that used to go out to Lerwick. Oh God, he was terrible. He was a rough priest, very rough priest. And they used to, the girls used to have to go on the on the door and shunter for him to lift the to get the money, she he wouldn't try be afraid of the boys, he wouldn't trust
4: the boys at
1: the boys. just <laughs> 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 just the girls are well, what You know, he, he was in the war and he was a bit shell shocked, you see. And no the girls wanted to do it for, for him. You know they were not let you go because the rest of the girls would be laughing at them, going around to plates collecting the money. They would, didn't want to do it. But they had to do it. If they didn't do it it was something else he didn't he didn't he wouldn't he didn't make it either one. She's dead now the crater she was going round and she didn't want to go. And he said, do you think of anyone the chapel will take an ocean aid? he says to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but they had to do it for him anyway.
4: If attention to the spiritual needs of the fish workers seems to have been somewhat haphazard, their physical needs too were often far from adequately catered for. Mary Boyle again.
1: There was no facilities on Wick. No toilets, no nothing in it. And it uh, Wick was a fairly big town. Nothing in Wick. It was a dry town. Nothing. It was terrible for girls to go in there. What, when you'd wash yourself, you had no to throw the You had to just have buckets and go to the street with the buckets in the morning. Oh, it was a terrible place, Wick. I don't know if all Wick was like that or not, but I know in the part we were in anyway, there was not. Mm. And she kept nine girls. And she kept fishermen too. She had a great big house. She was keeping fishermen. That's, that was, there was fishing. No com- the, the, I mean, the accommodations in the house was good. good there were good digs and all of that, but they had no toilets in them days and weeks.
4: And for some people who weren't good sailors, the journey to the gutting yards was an even greater worry than the work itself or the facilities available. Mickey-Joe Boyle, who organised the transport of workers from Donegal. But the boat going out is the worst.
3: It's called <laughs> the Sheila, not the Sheila, but uh, Saint Magnus. There'd be a crowd on that boat going out and there'd be vomiting blood going out. It was so rough. So rough. Oh.
4: This would be from Aberdeen.
3: From Aberdeen to Lerwick.
4: Is it usually a, a bad passage that?
3: Oh my God, yes. Terrible. The best to the same once you get. They're waiting for us to cross the Roost. The Roost, they call it the same as the, the, the Paddy's Milestone round at Scotland. The roost, all the tides meets at the roost, She's even in the, in the sky.
4: Were you a good sailor yourself? No. Mickey?
3: Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, my God, no, I wasn't. We, we were, the ambulance would be on the pier in the morning when they'd arrive taking them away to the ruts.
4: So it would take you a while then to recover before you'd actually go to work?
3: Aye, but once you got, once you got landed, you were as you, you, you healthy as a uh, uh, throat because you, got, you wobbled everything out, going out. <laughs>
2: There's coopers there and curers there and buyers can chills and lasses at the pickle and another's at the creel. And you'll wish the fish had been all of Tennessee by the time you finished gotten and on the yarmouth
3: Yarmouthkee. There were two uh, three in a crew, one packing and uh, and, and two gutting. But uh, there was different classes of cure. The magic cures is the early in judon. And that they, you used no salt worth at all in the magic cure. And one man done the packing, and the other two done the gutting. the same applied to the women the and the crews. You, and you're done about uh, them heron were cured like the day in the be just packed up the modern and shipped. There's a magic cure. but the hard cure is different. You had to wait for nine days before they were filled up and cured.
4: What was the difference with it?
3: Oh, the, they were a hard cure. They were a hermit uh, that uh, were were full of ma- uh, round, round and melting and row. But
4: when you say hard cure, what exactly does that mean?
3: Yeah, you cure them for America with more salt. You don't put much salt on on for the magic cure at all.
4: No. And then they were all shipped off to America.
3: America or Germany? Germany was the most part that time from Lerwick.
4: That was before the
3: war, of course. Before the war. But the, the Germans or the, or, the, or the Russians, or none of them, were curing on their own at all that time. They were buying all from Britain.
1: And then they were tearing the barrels. When the barrels were full, there was uh, two girls and one cooper tearing them three-tier high. And I also my share of the, 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 the tearing. And that is pretty hard work. Three, for them full barrels, tearing them up three-tier high with one man and two girls.
4: So, you did all sorts of work? Yes, then.
1: everything. You worked at the Tatty Hoping too, did no, you? No, I never, was, uh, I think there was only one team at the Tatty, one season the Tatty, and that's all was the
4: But some people say the Tatty Hoping was uh, an easier job. So, mu-
1: much easier than the Garden. Much easier because you were running, and you were in the summertime, there were boots on you, there were oilskins on you, big oilers and boots, well, and the summer out in the air, the sweat would be were we pouring out of you with the sun beaming on you and you carrying three big full, two big full tubs of hair and three girls, dumping them into a rousing tub and then packing. Oh, it was cruel hard work.
6: It was, it was very interesting to us in them days between all the girls and all the Scotchmen and everything that used to gather into Yarmouth. And I seen, I will just give you an instance how many people was in Yarmouth when there was 1115 drifters fishing into one port, into Yarmouth. Wasn't that some boats? Yes. And there would be about maybe up to 400 lasses there, and I would reckon there'd be about 250 or maybe 260 Irish girls there.
4: They'd be mostly from Donegal, would they? They were mostly
6: all, all, all Donegal. There were no other part of Ireland, all Donegal.
4: How would the curing and uh, the gutting, that job, compare with the tatty hoking now, another job they did a lot of? Oh, well, it was the, 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 the
6: herring fishing was more superior. Because For pay? For pay. The girls in them days all got a weekly wage, upstanding. They got 25 shillings a week, and they got their ways paid all over. doesn't matter where they were wanting to go to. They got their way paid. And another thing, they had their weekly wages. Then they had their weekly wages coming to them. And the time that they'd be down in Shetland, and all them like a Fraserburgh and Peterhead, they used to stay in, in, in huts in them days. And the curer would supply them with coal, and they would have to like well the girls would have to feed themselves and all yeah. the men that was there that time.
4: And they seemed to like the life, just oh, the same, even though it was a bit hard.
6: Yes, they liked the life. Oh, they liked it. They, 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 did, they did. enjoy it.
4: Especially some of these fishing ports that were also tourist centres.
6: Yeah, yeah, it was. T- t- now, like, like a Scarborough, I was in Scarborough, and it was a tower, it was a tourist centre in them days. And f- all the boats, and they used to have, you used to, have to close the market on both ends to keep all the visitors back. Wouldn't allow them to come in, you know, because it would well to, to annoy all the fishermen and the people who was working with hernias, butn't put them
4: ashore.
1: Scarborough was the loveliest place of the lot. Scarborough was a bony place.
4: That was the nicest
1: place. Well the work would be the same in the all the same of them. the same the work but it was more of a <clears throat> was more of a tourist's place. They didn't know nothing but fishing, you know, they'd be all round the the where for the girls were gotten all the visitors and the four men, the coopers, hunting, hunting them away from the farms, or keeping them back from their work. Be, they thought of sugar they were putting on the fish, you see. Is there a salt?
4: There was a wee Cooper, Paul, a hift and fife, nakity, nakity, and he is telling a gentle wife, Hi, wally, wally, ki, hood, yon, du, gul, alain, kora,
5: even even you had uh, a great number of women in these fish curing yards you had to have a certain number of men as well the coopers were men and you had labourers as well to carry the heavy uh, tubs and so on of herring to the to and from the firelands as they were called. The fireland was a, another word that we used here, it was a huge trough into which the herring were dumped and it was out of the faring that the, the girls or the gutters lifted the herring in order to got them into baskets, and then they were carried away uh, to be packed into barrels. It
6: was all it was all wooden barrels, There was all, all coopers that was going in them days, and the coopers made all these barrels, and when they were on piecework, making the barrels, all they were getting for making a, 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 that's a complete full big barrel was one and twopence. and they used to tell me that they were making good enough money at that. And their weekly, wage, their weekly wages when their coopers was out on the curing stations, they used to get £6 a week at that time. And they could make more money than the time that they were making the barrels in the factory. But you know, for you know, if you understand yourself, when they're on piecework, it was a different thing, you know, they had to work kind of hard.
4: And this was a highly skilled job, of course.
6: Oh, it was a highly skilled. Oh, terrible, in fact, terrible highly skilled. Because a cooper had to serve... A cooper had to serve five years for his trade, and there was a the time the apprentices was there, they used to go out onto the curing stations, for to learn along with the big, the old-fashioned cooper's that had their time served, to see the selections of herring and everything like that that they were, that the girls was gotten, and you know they would have to see them that there would be no, that there would be no big herring. All there were three, maybe four, five, five different grades of herring made and to see that there'd be no big herring among the small ones.
4: Mickey Boyle, fisherman and Cooper in his day, and now a carpenter in Dunlow. Among the fish workers' equipment which he and others like him would make was that important item, the gutter's box.
5: It was a specially made box, made by a local carpenter. As far as I remember, the lid was hinged on, so that if you open the the lid, it, uh, the the hinges threw back the lid, or allowed the, the lid to go back. Now... It had lock as well, a good lock, such as you would have on a on a press or a cupboard, good lock, and uh, it was generally painted red. Now it carried as much as about three suitcases or probably four suitcases today. It kept the uh, workers' boots, his working clothes, and anything else, any other personal belongs. Now on the outside, they always used to rope it, and uh, it carried the oilskins outside. The boots inside, but the oilskins outside. And these bo- b- boxes were very strongly built because, as you know, they had to go to Lerwick and Yarmouth and all over the British Isles for that reason. They'd have to be sturdily built.
4: And who supplied the knives and other equipment for the gutters?
5: Well, these would be supplied by the you had big names. The big names in the curers at that time were Slater, Woods, Dunbar, and Others, but uh, even here locally, we could go into any shop at that time in Burtonport or Kincastle and buy a gutter's knife. I think they cost about seven, about one and sixpence in old money, and they had a wooden handle and the the blade would be about six inches long with a point.
0: I will dress myself in my Sunday best and I'll make myself look bonny. Then I will hide me to the key to greet my fair young Johnny.
1: Once we came in and got washed and dressed, we never thought no more of the work till the morning came again. We were on giants at the best of sport. Way out the street no way waters and never never thought and never think of the work.
4: Did you go to dances at all? Oh there
1: wasn't much dancers away in them places at that time, except in the huts out in Lairwick. There were plenty dancers out there. There were picture oh, houses
3: of
1: course. Well, there were picture houses. Oh, there used to be great dancers out in Lairwick. We used to have great sport out in Lairwick. Lairwick was the best place. Well you, see, you were in Diggness, you see and all and yeah, with them other places and yeah couldn't, you had to, you wouldn't, you would have to be in, you couldn't be out.
4: Well, the boys and the girls wouldn't be in the same place, would no, they?
1: No, no, they wouldn't, no, they wouldn't. But maybe some, and some digs, they might have kept a crew of boys too, and he was that big houses, you know, and the girls, but they oh no, no, the boys and girls never was, never was, there. all of their own huts, boys of their own huts and girls of their own, that's layer <laughs>
8: dancing, you know, good music there, someone playing the accord and there's well, the Highlanders such as some of the, the Hebridean Islands and used to have the Highland thing and all this it was wood crack at that time, you know, different the dances going now. <laughs>
4: a pub then that you'd go to?
8: No, 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 it was uh, it was dry that time it was, of course, there's lots of places soul sold, plenty of beer and most well, spirits, I didn't bother much about beer in my young days but just get a, you know, a bottle of screw top or beer, you know You drank it
4: out of the bottle?
8: Just out of the bottle, Jeff. well you, you, you wouldn't get, drink it in the place You but you had to take it out uh, Jeffrey's, Jeffrey's number one with a beer <laughs> yes with a beer
4: uh. well are there many girls at the work in
8: those days oh, oh lots of girls mm-hmm. oh hi. oh lots of girls oh there's fact there's many girls maybe in fact maybe more in some of the yards there. that time in the more than fellas those were all fairly all young at that time all, maybe all mostly in teens there might be an odd one and, you
4: know. Did they have accommodation of their own?
8: Oh, they did. Oh, the girls, sure. The girls had uh, a separate place for themselves. They just, you know, but I think about six. Six, you know, in each, each compartment. The, the, of course, the girls had all their own. Yeah. Of course, we'd mix up through them, um, you know, round at night through them for guess, maybe a bit of dancing, a bit of music.
5: It was a very important economy because, as you know, uh, at that time, there was no employment locally, or very little, and we had no dole here, or no children's allowance, or no nothing. With the result, that when these girls went to Scotland, they made money to keep the house going at home, and it was close for themselves as well, and they kept the home fires burning. Well, I would say it came to an end in, uh, when the Second World War broke out in 1939, because Uh, there was no fishing during the war or very little, there was no organised fishing and uh, the men on the trawlers were called up to do national service on the minesweepers and on the navy for that reason the English fleet wasn't at sea during the war, we be dangerous at least because of the mines and all the other and uh, when the facilities broke out in 1939 we had to depend on other uh, employment like for the men, you had the public works in England and for the women you had domestic work at Edinburgh and Glasgow and elsewhere.
3: I started the fish curing then after I left the, the Gutton you understand and I was in Scotland and I got it at one time the fish was a dumping in Barton Port uh, there was no sale for the fish but I went into J- to Hughie Camel in Barton Port who's dead now and he was a he was the cause of getting the, trying to get some firm to come in I wrote about a hundred letters to all these f- the firms that I knew with the result I got a firm called Marin Pro Limited to come to Burtonport they started the first curing factory in Burtonport we cured marronite by machines then and they implied about 30 people and uh, the man who was in charge was an Englishman he only came for an odd week three or four weeks, go away and I was left in charge in the end I used to go to Killebeggs and buy 300 crowns of heron at one time
4: The fishing industry has changed radically compared with that of 40 or 50 years ago It has lost its seasonal character being no longer geared to the life cycle of the herring shoals the herring itself has become scarce and the whole fish processing business has been transformed since the days of the migratory workers. Now exporters like John Campbell run big enterprises on the Donegal coast itself, with processing factories in Killybegs and Burton Port and a cannon factory near Dunloe.
0: In the older days, when there was uh, quite an amount of uh, herrings particularly being landed in the Shetlands and the Fraserborough and East Anglia areas, Of the UK. There was a tradition where people emigrated from here and um, gutted the fish but um, now that trend has stopped completely and uh, the younger people are remaining uh, at home not alone to work in the factories but also to fish from the vessels. In this particular area of the northwest of Ireland I have seen um, over the last 15 years tremendous changes Uh, from the basic and traditional method of curing fish, that is the salting, to the more modern and sophisticated methods uh, of um, filleting and freezing uh, for cold storage purposes. Generally, these fish are exported to continental countries which are now devoid of fish from overfishing
4: where the lives of the migrant fish workers were dominated by the herring, today's fishermen and fish processors may be more committed to the factory ship, echo sounders and radar, diesel engines and refrigerators. The creel and the scrubber are now only folk memories. The gutter's knife has made way for the machine, and few will mourn for that. But what craftsman is going to wax enthusiastic about a plastic container or a plastic barrel?
6: All them plastic bottles, and Plastic bottles, and another thing... They're, the barrels, they're barrels that can't stand no abuse. Because after we're getting any drop, like what the old barrels that the, that the Scotch Coopers and the Irish Coopers was making in them days, after we're getting any drop at all, they'll be punctured.
4: And that was useless. Would you say the quality of the fish even inside wouldn't be as good?
6: No, 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 no comparison in the world. No comparison in the world. Because the heron that was cured them days all in a barrel... You know they were perfect. They were perfect. But these bar these hernders getting cured in the present day, in fact, to be truthful and honest, the hernders going about today, the, the people that were going in my days wouldn't eat them. I'm supposed they were cured for them itself. They're that far. There is there's is ten hours after a after a couple of days bed on you they'll shave you.
4: <laughs>
6: That's truthful. Well, there are very few Coopers left nowadays. No, there's, there's no now. It's safe to say, to be honest speaking, there's no such thing as Coopers going the day because they're only just one kind of handy men. In fact if a barrel would burst, they couldn't repair them. Well, I seen the time that we could bring we, we I could print take a stave out of the barrel and head full of heron and pickle and could put in another stave. All the kind the men that's going couldn't do no that class of work.
4: Well, apart from the the plastic barrels now, Mickey, what other ways have the processes changed? Well, to give you an
6: instance now, there's no such thing as a curing station like what there was in them days. Every there was curing stations, and some of the curing stations was all covered in. They were all covered in overhead, you know. Well, some of the other some of the places then. Was in lake, the lake, uh, Grim, lake not Grimsby, but um, Hartlepool. While well, they were gotten the heron out just on, a, just on just on an open, like an open field, and it was close to the harbour, you know. And, and in fact, we could almost almost just charge out of the boat and dump the heron right into the farlands, for the
4: girls was gotten. Yeah. Well, most of the people from around here all seem to have travelled a lot in those days. Oh, and there's a big change there too. Oh, my dear, oh dear, it's
6: cruel altogether. Now, there's no such thing as immigration now for they was going in them days. Because between people going away to Tattahawken and men going away looking for a day's work through farms in Britain and everything like that, you know. Well, there's none of them kind of things going on today. Nothing. And in fact, I seen them here when they were going away... <laughs> Between girls going to wait the fishing and people going to wait for the can I remember the train that time was running from Londonderry to Burton Port. And at every station, I would say, say there would be the average, but maybe from 50 to 60 at every station, waiting to get onto the train. Now the train isn't even there. There's no train there now, there's no nothing.
4: So there were some losses, and there have also been some gains, since the fish workers from the Rosses used to follow the herring to Scotland and England the girls who worked in the gutting yard seldom complained of their lot. And they may even have experienced a certain carefree enjoyment of youth and adventure. But few of them, able to look back on it today, would care to go through it all again.
1: I wouldn't like to do it again, no, wouldn't. You come in for your nails, your, you're done your whole ten fingers, pieced up and smell of guts, oh, wouldn't do it now.
2: It's the morning and it's late until the night Your hands are cut and chopped And they're looking on the sack But you greet like a wing When you put them in the brie And you wish you were a through the mouth Of off the of key There and cuters, there And buyers can it shields And lasses at the pickle And another at the creel And you wish the fish Had been no all left in the sea By the time you finish Got them here and on the yarn of key Fish and lair with cannons torn away and shields. Worked along the humber amongst the bottles and the creels. Whitby Grimsby, we've travelled up and down. But the place to see the heron is the key at Yarmouth